0: Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things.
1: Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker Podcast. Where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need, your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. (laughs) go it is time for the weed whacker podcast i'm coach mike and boy do i have an automated robotic show for you today i I, before i get to the show i just got i got too much going on this week and i got to share a few things with you but first thing i got to share is my email address that's coach mike at coachmikenow.com anybody should be able to remember that even a bot right And, of course, the website is coachmikenow.com. Let me know if you guys want to do a weed whacker with me. Come on in. Give me your email. Let me know what you want to talk about. We're going to clear the weeds, clear the path to your success. But I can't do it unless I know what you want, right? Uh, Today I have had customer service nightmares argue with a certain home improvement store that my wife and I bought some appliances from Sunday. They've had... They delivered Monday, the item was damaged. They couldn't come back till Tuesday because oh my goodness, they have to have a 24 hour window or whatever it is. They come back this morning, they didn't have the right cord. So now they want us to wait till tomorrow. We've been waiting since Sunday to get um, our wash done, right? Uh, So the people at the store and the people at their distribution unit didn't seem to fully get, I guess they're so automated. But the one And the one guy at the store said, you know, I've spent 30 minutes on the phone trying to help you here because I let her know I wasn't happy. And I wasn't mean. I wasn't cussing. I'm a nice guy. I'm a coach. I got to be patient. She doesn't know how long I spent on the phone. She doesn't know how long I've been waiting around. What if if I couldn't have been here? My wife would have had to take off work. That costs us. I finally got somebody at their corporate that understood some customer service and is trying to do something about that. So we'll see what happens. Yes, today we are going to talk about automation, all right? Automation AI. Some of it is good, there's a bunch of it I don't like. And instead of me just griping and moaning at you. I decided to bring an expert in on this stuff. I got a guy that has worked with businesses. He's worked with small teams of 14 people. He's worked with people, a couple up to 65,000. Who the heck has 65,000 people working? Oh my goodness. He's, he's worked with companies, technology, putting it in there. I'm going to let you talk more about this stuff. You got to check his podcast out. We'll tell you more about that later. He's uh What's this? The Business Owner's Guide to Growth During High Inflation Supply Chain Disruptions in the Pool Industry. He should have called me. That's a long title. Who's going to remember all that? I'm going to let him talk. Let's welcome Jeffrey Wolf, host of Wolf's Watch. He's got a great podcast. I heard it the other day. I've known Jeffrey for at least 20 years now, and and he's a great guy. Jeffrey Welcome to Weed Whacker Podcast.
0: Mike, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on the Weed Whacker Podcast. I love that theme, man. Taking the weeds down, clearing the path, you know, cutting the noise out so we can hear the signal.
1: Well, what do they do? Is it- what do people do, whether it's politics or anything else? Everybody's yelling back and forth at their main talking points, but they never go beyond that or they don't go very far beyond it. And then they wonder why they don't solve the problem.
0: And I would like to talk about, I'd like to start, this is off topic. I want to start immediately with one of my favorite talking points. Sure. Go ahead. What you were just reading, it had the title from a presentation that I did for a pool industry association. And I apologize for that. I left it in by accident. My favorite (laughs) topic, my favorite talking point is bloopers because I generate a lot of them. (laughs) I generate a lot. We even have a blooper song. Let's hear it. Bloopers, bloopers, bloopers. We make them every day. Bloopers, bloopers, bloopers. We show them anyway. Bloopers are fun.
1: <laughs> hey, there's the whole industry on bloopers, right? We love watching yeah. blooper reels from
0: major TV shows, right? My blooper reel is competing in size with my uh, content reel. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Maybe I should do that too. That's, you know, you know uh, what you though? Know. It makes it fun. Right? Because yes. we we were talking about live stream pre-show and streaming live. When we do our live stream shows, that's a lot like speaking on stage. And one of the key skills yes. with, with speaking on stage in front of a live audience is being able to deal with misquotes, misstatements, bloopers. Something goofs up, plane flies over, right? Someone drops something backstage and creates a big boom. Being able to, to utilize that so that the audience stays focused on the presentation instead of what you know what the distraction is around them. And that's why going, you that's know right. what? We'll just run with the bloopers. It's engaging. It makes it more fun. And it, and one of the things I've even worked into uh, every once in a while, I'll throw into my show open. You know, if nothing else, stick around and watch for the bloopers because you never know what I'm going to screw up next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> make sure i get a link to your blooper reel because i'll put that up on my site too okay. and and when you you know if you come on my monday night show that is live so you never know you know memory is a part of that and i've taught memory before uh work with a well-known uh, record holder of memory and all that but one of the things i tell people i used to be very good i've been blessed with a good memory and i You know, in high school, I memorized Mark Anthony's speech, you know, Friends Romans Countrymen. I remember that. But I would tell people when I helped them with their speeches, you got to decide what you're best at, whether you're best at sort of ad-libbing or if you are very good at memory. But here's the thing. If you try to remember it word for word, you write it all out and you remember it word for word, what happens in the middle of your speech if you say a word wrong or a sentence wrong? You might keep going after that, especially a, a, an intelligent practice speaker like yourself. You might go on for a while, but sooner or later, your brain is still telling you, hey, 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 you missed something, you missed something. And sooner or later, you're gonna stop and try to fix it. And um, remember one of the sayings we used to learn at our at speakers bureau and stuff years ago out there was never apologize to the audience if you leave something out, because they don't know you left it out unless you tell them. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, for, for your listeners, as you're listening to this, Mike and I met at a speakers bureau in Orange County, California, a number of years ago. And it was great. I learned a lot from that speakers bureau and greatly appreciated that yep. to be around professionals on, you know, that speak on stage and go, oh, okay, here's how you can continue to master your craft. We realized, you know, we we have a lot of common interests and we became great friends. And it's just wonderful to still be in touch all these years later. You know, I just turned 70. I'm sorry. I I thought you just said you turned 70.
1: I just turned. Well, the 40th anniversary of my 30th birthday. Let's put it that way.
0: Wow. You, my friend, are an encouragement. Because well, you, I can, man. you know, as you're listening to this, you may not this you may not wow. see the video. I can see Mike, and I'm just like going, "There is no way this guy is 70 years old." Mm-mm, not buying it.
1: Nobody ever guesses my age. You know, we, when the Hickory Fair, when, when we first moved here, they had the Hickory Fair. And of course, every fair has a contest where somebody is guessing your age or your weight, whatever. Right? Uh, by weight, they might be able to guess, but no, they never get guess my age. The only problem with this is the fair here. Is they wanted like five bucks a guess or 10 bucks. I've for a to win a dollar prize. I said, you know, I'm going to win the prize, but yeah, it's not yep. worth spending 10 bucks on it. So let's deal with the issue at hand.
0: Jeffrey, C- customer service. What? Customer
1: service and AI. Yes. And to be honest, I understand there's we all have tech tools around the house or our work. You know, I, I don't have um, Alexa or any of those things because I don't want to be recorded in China or whatever, although I'm sure some things are anyhow. You never know. But I don't have some of those things. Uh, some AI we need, I get that, and some of it we do enjoy. But there is some of it that I think is – I just hate it. But not of that, I think it is terrible customer service and the first one i put on my list that i sent you there is auto attendance i hate automated attendance i want to talk to a live person and most companies have terrible auto attendance there are a few there are a few that have one where if i say representative once or twice oh okay let me get you to somebody so i could i could get that a little bit but i have a live person answer the phone. Don't make me scream at the darn phone.
0: Yeah, and and I hear what you're saying. And you know, that's been a long-term issue too. Right? I mean, yes. for a long How long has it been? It's been a couple decades by my aging, fading memory that comedians <laughs> have used like cable companies and some of the big corporations as stand-up jokes because the customer service is so bad. Yes. And yet they don't really improve it so that it creates an opportunity for the rest of us to be more competitive by providing better service, competing on service, competing. One of my hot buttons is competing, competing on value. How do you provide more value to the customer, which is what they're actually paying you for?
1: Like we were talking about before the show, Jeffrey, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to have a, a mail and parcel center like a UPS store, but it was independent out in California there. I had that for 11, 12 years, whatever it was. And when I first got into that business, the main thing was high markups because you were providing a service. But with the advent of the internet, now the customer could go online and see what the actual UPS price was. So then they can make a decision. Do I wanna go to the UPS customer counter or do I wanna go to Mike's store? But some people, especially on the ones where he had a higher markup, they would say, I ain't paying that much. I found a way because of the discount UPS, they had a program and I would get certain discounts so I could match the UPS counter price. And then I, but my, what I would charge more is, is packing because I'm an engineer now they can't go online and say, Oh, this is how much it costs to pack something. The, um, I actually had a customer one time before I went into the lower pricing thing. She said, you know, it was Christmas time. She knew we were busy, and she didn't have nothing to do that day. She said, I'm going to go down to the UPS customer counter, which was in Cerritos about, uh-huh. I think it was about 10 miles from my store. And she went down there and saw how long their lines were and came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but now what's coming back around? Customer service, everybody wanted the lowest price. They wanted to Walmart. They wanted whatever. They used to have the price matching and all that. But now you can only go so low. You can only go so no, low, right. like you said, what are you gonna to do to add to it now?
0: And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Walmart, because if you compete on price, if that's your is that's your value argument with your customer to go, hey, you know what, we've got the best price in the area. Now you're competing against Walmart and Amazon, and I wish you luck. Yes. It, it has yes. to be on value, it has to be on you know, customer service, the customer experience is, is a massive component of value in the customer's eyes. You know how do they? Yep. Uh, I use a, a service like you're describing, like you used to own, and I walk in and they're like, "Hey, we know each other's names." So like, "Hey, how you doing?" It's yep. like walking into a, into a scene of friends. One of the yes. one of the restaurants that we have continued to support even through the great lockdown in 2020, we intentionally ordered when we didn't when we didn't want to. I mean, not like all the time, but we made sure we ordered a pickup from them at least once a week to show support because they always <laughs> yeah. greet us by name. When we sit down at the table, we don't have to ask for. We bring a group in every Friday night. They don't even have to ask. They, everybody that has custom drink orders, like you know, a special iced tea or something, nothing alcoholic, but it's like you know, to mix a Shirley Temple or something like that. It hits the table without us asking to go. Hey, you know, get settled. We'll be back in a minute to talk about orders. And it's sure. that personal touch that that service. That makes me willing to crawl across broken glass for the for the organizations that I like doing business with. I look for reasons to keep doing business with them. That's the dynamic we create with our customers when we compete on service and do it in, in excellence.
1: There you go. And what is making a comeback now, Jeff? Remember, where could you get a lot of jobs uh a lot of job services, of I mean, you could get hired. There's my blooper. What <laughs> jobs were available to people twenty years ago were call centers. Yeah. And yeah. they've sort of disappeared to a degree. But so what's now coming back? Uh, there's two companies I've heard advertise on the radio that they'll answer the phone with a live person and mm-hmm. get you to the right yep. department.
0: Yep. Now let's let's take that to artificial intelligence. Because for a small business that hiring the extra person or even contracting it out is becoming more and more difficult and crazy expensive. Like in in LA County, given the current minimum wage, which is now seventeen dollars and eighty cents plus all of the required stuff you have to tack on top of that, you can't hire somebody for less than twenty five bucks an hour. So the minimum the minimum is like fifty grand a year as a small business how much revenue do you have to drive in order to bring one two more people on and how do you and how do you make that work in your cost structure as you're scaling up this is where coming to what you mentioned about artificial intelligence this is where ai can help if properly used and will just create another massive cluster when it's improperly used and i say will create because it will be improperly used this is human behavior right sometimes we're going to get it right Sometimes we're going to totally blooper it to death, and I've seen examples of uh, AI avatars that were created specifically to use as that first point of contact when someone calls in. But it's animated. It calls you by name. It tells you that it's a that it's an AI avatar, and what its role is to help you in your journey to getting what you need from the company. It has a broader range of access to information in terms of providing access and can then route you to the right person. So it, it, for particularly for small businesses, that can be a positive by changing the dynamic of going, you know what? We can scale up and give customers a better experience on that first point of contact before they talk to a live person so that we can make sure where we're investing the money in having a live person address the customer's concerns. They're, you know, we're, It's really high value for us and for the customer, I mean always looking for that win win one of my mentors guy's a billionaire, and he says, "Look if it's not a win win for everyone at the table, it won't work. don't do it
1: there's two things I hate with a i with with the attendance like that number one, and they're getting better. I'll give them credit, mm-hmm. but you get those ones that sound like a robot like this, hello, yep. Mike." But the other thing that gets me is just like an opinion poll that you see people put out that they don't know they only have a limited number of departments or things choices they give you, and if you don't want that and you try explain it to them, they don't get it or they don't have the answer. Sort of like we're talking about their biases and stuff. But mm-hmm. then you know it's like a poll that says, Jeffrey, do you like red or do you like red? Well. If you don't like red, you can't. Which choice are you going to put, right? Yep. And they do yes. that too, and that just drives me crazy.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, failing, particularly with big organizations. I always look at that as as some of the internal covering their own butts and not wanting to be held accountable for mistakes. Bleeding yes. out into into the policies they implement on the customer service side. That happens with the live customer service representatives as well. You can tell, you know, you have good people I can hear it. I was on the phone with, with a former cell phone provider. And this person on the other end of the line, I could hear it in their voice that they are attempting to help, but they're constrained by their script and what they're allowed to say and what they're allowed to talk about that they just couldn't do. And they knew. And eventually admitted it, goes, you know, here's the next step, but I just can't, I just can't help you with that. And and over a three hour period, I talked to four people and every single one of them disconnected at the same, I was timing it. Every single one disconnected at the same time, which implied to me that they had a policy that after a certain number of minutes, the person on the call is really getting negative points and risking their job because they haven't handled the customer's concern. Right. So, so they just, they just unplug.
1: I mean, it'd be uh, like an play in the store walking away from you.
0: Well, let let me ju- just I don't wanna Yeah. I mean that's like a desk clearing moment level of really teeing me off kind of stuff. I've I've matured enough that I don't do that anymore. Plus I've got the cost <laughs> of replacing the computers and whatnot that are on the table. <laughs> but, but it comes to a point where, you know, bottom line is former self road provider, right? we're done. We moved on. We had three cell phone lines with that company and we don't do business with them anymore because they were great until we had an issue. And then when we had an issue, not really a big deal, it became a massive thing in they, you know, it was just like, all right, we're done. I found a better wow. deal, moved on.
1: And you know, what's and really weird. We switched providers not too long after we, well, about a, two years after moved here, whatever, and the one we had before, when I was saying, "Hey, I got a couple issues." The only thing they could tell, well, you know, your program we don't offer anymore. It's grandfathered in. It's a great program, yeah. But here's the issue: I got. Well, I'm probably going to leave. Oh well, sort of like don't let the door hit you on the way out. As soon yep. as we left, yeah. what do they do? They start bombarding you with sales things, trying to sell you their programs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go back to. The, the cost of keeping a current customer as opposed to having to get, develop a new customer. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You ever heard of T. Scott Gross? Uh, know, I'm not heard? familiar with him. He wrote a book. I've still got he actually got a couple books. I got them in, in my library there. Uh, Knock Your Socks Off knock your socks off service or whatever uh-huh. uh as a matter of fact i talked to him about a year or two ago i just happened to call him up and and maybe i'll try to get hold of him again to a podcast with him if he's still going i originally heard him he was a guest speaker at one of the national association conventions for the mail mail and parcel industry and i think it was around 94 mm-hmm. and he apparently used to own a chicken franchise of some fast food franchise and he went through a whole thing and he, he's his one of his customers he was having a conversation like you say guy knows your name and everything else mm-hmm. and he asked this guy you know what do you what do you like about our business and our is it is our pricing that well your pricing is about the same as the next guys well what about our service our ser- well, yeah your service about the same as the next guys etc cetera, etc cetera. finally this guy says why do you like us so much? And he says, he's this guy because when you guys screw up, you go way overboard to make it right. Mm. And that's what keeps me coming back. And there's so many businesses that lose that. And I'll give you two quick examples here, Jeffrey. One years ago, when I get in my of personal service, FedEx was a big player in our business and they were coming to the business and they had a policy and this goes back to the 90s. I don't know if they still have it the same, but they had a policy that the first person you talked to, if you had a problem, if your letter didn't get there on time, whatever it was, the first agent you talked to had a $50 limit. This is back when next day letters were like 20, $15 or $20, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, they had a $50 limit to make it right with you without having to go get a supervisor. They could fix that right off the mm-hmm. bat okay the other one was um and I, i'm getting old i just forgot <laughs> I there's another blooper for you jim but the uh, <laughs> there was another one like that too where where it's all about how you handle the mistakes every we're all human we all make mistakes we're gonna have that blooper we're gonna have that bad day so what how what do you do to go out of your way to make it right when when you do that, screw up, or do you tell the customer, oh, you know, gee, I've spent 30 minutes trying to help you, you don't appreciate me type of thing. Yeah. Uh, that turns the customer off.
0: Or, or how many companies have you done business with where they made a mistake and you come back? It's like, hey, you know what? I got this problem with it. I think you guys might have, might have goofed up and said, and the other, and their first response is, hmm, prove it. Prove we yep. made an error and that it's not your mistake. Yeah. It's just like, oh, they're just like, really? Right. As opposed to, because even if it was, if the immediate response was, well, let's talk about that. Let's take a look at what you got in order for them to, to see whether or not it was a customer error versus a comp- versus their error. The yep. default is yep. no nope, custom it's a customer error until you can prove you can prove to us beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law it was our error and we'll still appeal it <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's like, it's, I, okay, I, just I
1: the point I, I just remember the point I was forgetting was that Scott brought up he said that he encouraged us to have a policy to ask the customer if they come in like if you came into my store and you weren't happy maybe your item got damaged whatever it might be right? Jeffrey, what would it take to make you satisfied? And yeah. so many businesses are afraid to do that because some, they're afraid somebody's going to ask for $100,000 or they're going to ask for the moon. And you know, there's a few people that are like that maybe, but the majority of people are just like us. They're very reasonable. And they said, hey, you know, it, it the item was damaged. I needed it in my other shop and it cost me this much to replace it. So okay, how about if I give you that call? If it was a hundred dollars. Here you go, boom. Will that make it better? How much is that customer going to come back and spend with you in the future?
0: And how many other customers are they going to bring in? Yep, yep. Because they're bragging about you to their going. You're not going to believe what ha-. you know. They're at dinner. They're at the family, you know, the family holiday gathering. They're at wherever you know their kids' sports team event. And they're going. You're not going to believe what happened the other day. It happened the other day. This, that, and the other. And then I said this, and you know what they did and everybody's going to be looking at him going, really? Wow. Yep. Yeah,
2: you know, I'd like
0: to well, get that kind of service too. <laughs> I don't know what the statistic is now,
1: but back then, and I think Scott was the one that pointed his presentation. Uh, it was either him or this other guy that had a store up in Montana that would speak, he used to work for uh, Honda when they were part of the JD power number one, everything. He said, if somebody is happy with your service, your business, they'll tell one or two other people. If they're not happy, they'll tell 10 people. This is back in the early 90s. Yeah, Change that now for with social media. If they're happy with your business. Yeah, they might tell a couple. They might put it on there. If they're not happy, they put it on their Facebook, their Twitter, their
0: YouTube. They'll tell the whole world. They're telling 5,000, 10,000, maybe a million people that they're connected to going, wow, what a bunch of bums this business really hired. You know, they're just they hate because don't ever not the kind of press, not the kind of promo, not the kind of conversation you want going.
1: Jeffrey, before I get to my next part of A.I., Tell me, what is your sort of definition? I think when a lot of people, some people maybe listen to this, think AI, they know it stands for artificial intelligence, but right away the first thing they think about is robots. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's much more than that. What would you put as a, as a industry definition of what it is
0: for yes. us? Uh, well, a personal definition, if I could, for me is it is <clears> – <throat> and- a semi-autonomous software that has the ability to adapt itself to find info- to find information it, and it learns as it goes along. So you ask it a question, it gives you an answer, and you can modify the question back to a follow-on question, and it's learning from that. To going, oh, okay, that wasn't that wasn't quite right. It continues to learn from the languaging so that over time, uh, across all people that are asking a question. <laughs> It gives more succinct, more powerful answers and accesses a huge band of knowledge, right? Because when, when I was in college in the 1980s, I built a, a, a robot that had basic artificial intelligence at that time. And all it was, it was like, a, it was like an oversized uh, Roomba vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right? it, it could move. It could move. All it could really do is move around the room. It would bump into things, but it would—if it bumped into something, it could remember, and it knew its space. So it would kind of map out its space over time. But it was just basic rules learning. It wasn't really the deep learning that we have now. It wasn't the machine learning as it's called, and it didn't have vision recognition, pattern recognition capabilities. So I think of AI as being that kind of excuse me. That kind of, gets me all choked up just talking about it. <laughs> I, I love that old little little cagey robot. I'll tell you, it's a sad that, day when that, we that, had to put it down. That bring- <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the? I'm sorry, this is off track, but do you remember one of the first one of the old IKEA commercials from the 1990s, where they where they would show a video of a lamp being put out in the rain, and they've got the new IKEA the new IKEA lamp that they put in and then they show this long shot and you can see the lamp by the trash out in the rain and the, and the warm light of the dining room with everybody oh, gathered yeah, around I... the new light and, and their voiceover is you think the lamp's feelings are hurt you are crazy lamps don't have feelings in, they do. un- you know, and then it fades in you know then it fades in unboring Yes. Is, is the their tagline but now lamps may have feelings with AI you know does it it unboxes a lot of other questions and here's something I'd like to to point out and this is something I learned in aerospace I spent a couple of decades in aerospace working with some pretty amazing technologies and I check I double checked this with someone who's the CEO of one of the leading facial recognition companies in terms of the, the technology for doing facial recognition and this is maybe within the last couple of years. And I asked him if this was still true. And he said, yes, then that's all we could talk about. Cause that's where you hit the wall with this, whatever you see today as the most wild bleeding edge, state of the art technology is 20 years behind what's already in the field where it can't be talked about because of where it's being applied. Wow. And that was because we, in 1986, I saw an infrared heads-up display in, installed, embedded in the windshield of a Cadillac that gave you TV quality, broadcast TV quality video that was based on technology that we were using in, let's just say, other applications at the time. And General Motors was interested in putting that in as, as a premium safety feature. The, de- the demonstration of that heads-up display showed, you see fog, you can see nothing in the fog. You kick you kick on the infrared, bam, there's the deer standing in the middle of the highway that you couldn't see before. Really? And it was such high quality. It was like watching it was like watching uh it was kind of the green and white thing that they do, you know, you see with AI, or not AI, but infrared. So it wasn't in color, but it but it was it was a, a black and white, kind of a black and white version of that, and it was just unbelievably clear.
1: It wow. was in nineteen
0: eighty six.
1: Where does everything get tested? Tires get tested at the racetrack, right? Yep. At, at NASCAR, at the Indy. Um, yep. Stuff like that gets tested with the military or yep. whatever, you know. So here's the thing Le Mans. You look at the, Mans,
0: you, do, do look at the wild technology they put on cars in Le Mans to make them fast and reliable, which eventually filters out after, what, a good decade before it gets into the premium cars. Yep. And then into yep. the, you know, into where it goes from, say, Uh, Let me use Toyota as an example. You know, it's like Toyota runs a car at Le Mans, it performs really well, then the tech starts to be seen as premium features in their Lexus, then it becomes standard features in their Lexus, and then at some point in the future when you you buy a uh, Toyota Celica, there it is. You know, it's standard technology in their entry-level car.
1: It's funny that you brought up cars, though, Jeffrey, because as I put on my list for you, that's one of my real pet peeves. I don't want an automated driving car a self-driving car i think that is stupid and i'm sorry i don't mean to be so blunt but it really is how many people and i should have looked up the number before i came here how many people have already been killed because of failures with a self-driving car and i remember the first one the first one at least the first one i heard about was a semi pulled out in front of a car, self-driving car, and the trailer was white, mm-hmm. and the self-driving car did not pick it up and drove right through that trailer, killing the yep. driver of the car. Even worse, and I I spent I've got about ten or fifteen years, uh, class one driving experience. Even worse, I believe it was Coors uh, was test driving or testing a self-driving semi-truck yep. which I think is absolutely absurd and here's my thing number one if you can't be paying attention to what you're doing driving and I see it believe me I see a lot of people that don't right you shouldn't be driving but number two you can teach a computer to think to agree with, to their thinking is just going back over past information you cannot teach them I fully believe they're going to say they can at some degree that you cannot teach them how to react on the moment like that. Like you need to be, if somebody pulls out in front of you, you need to hit the brakes I get. That's not a bad idea to assist with that. But if the what happens if that fails and I'm not paying attention? I'm not driving a car. I'm dead or somebody else might be
0: dead and two two things real quick the first being just kind of to frame the conversation a little bit those accidents that happen where people were driving as though the cars were self-driving because there's no self-driving cars available today uh, it, just know, it, do, it, it, do, it just no, doesn't exist do. it it just does not there's a few that are in test in certain applications but the but the commercially available buying off a of showroom floor cars oh, no, that no, you don't have they the ability. Right. It was being tested. There are, there are tests. But even, even, and you see people, but you see people doing stuff where they're like taking their test and like, oh, I put it in self-driving mode. There's no such thing as self, they misunderstand what it is. In the testing, yes. Uh, Something that's also been very close to my heart on on the same vein is it's been documented that the self-driving systems run over motorcycles because they can't discern them. From a car, They can't discern that the motorcycle is actually there because of the differences in size and spacing of lights yes. and whatnot, the cues that it yeah. uses. It thinks it's a car off in the distance and it just speeds up and runs over. Yep. Them. And there's been a few motorcyclists. And killed not only doing that, that,
1: Jeffrey, not only yeah. that, a friend of ours from in California, our church in California, retired and moved up to Oregon. And he bought a brand-new, I think at the time it was a 2018 F-150, and he had like 60 acres or something back in the mountains. And he was going along a curvy road one day, and there was a car that was like, I don't know, a couple hundred yards at him, a quarter-mile him, I don't know, whatever it was, but going the same direction. And they were coming around this curve, and he picked it picked up that car and slammed on his brakes even though the car was quite a ways from it. I wouldn't trust it. I, mm. I don't, I don't yeah. want one.
0: And this, the second point I wanted to make along those lines, if if you'll let me tell sure. a quick story to make the point. In the late 80s, early 90s, which is ancient history for, you know, as you're, as you're listening to this, this probably was before you were born. That being said, bear with us. In the late 80s, early 90s, GM and Toyota uh, we're collaborating on installing factory automation using the early robotics, which had some basic building blocks of what we would consider AI today. But it had to be hard programmed. Now General Motors was all about to- uh, all about the, the the lights out factory. You put parts in one end, you get a whole car rolling off the other end. Type of manufacturing, no people involved anymore. Wow. Cuts costs, simplifies a lot of things, makes it far more consistent on quality. Japan, specifically Toyota, however, took the philosophy of going, how can we apply the technology in a way that enables our people working in the factory to do things more safely, to do things with less injury or repetitive motion type stuff, the boring stuff. That we don't really need the mind of a person involved with so that we can free them up to do the things that are uniquely human tasks and that they can do their best. So, it's a, so how do we support the people, which led to a very, very different implementation of the technology? Fast forward to the mid-90s, Toyota is doing model changeovers, major, like redesigns on the cars and producing them on a, on a three-year cycle. General Motors is stuck in a five plus year cycle because it was so expensive and took too long to reprogram the automated processes they put in. They never got anywhere near the you know, the human workerless factory. Even what they had put in place, they found out it took so long to reprogram the robotic arms and all the other stuff that they put in place, that they had to run production at least for five years. So Toyota was just hammering them in the marketplace Uh, eventually General Motors shut down a billion dollar factory that they had built under that philosophy because they couldn't keep up with changes in the marketplace. And let me deliver some gold for you as you're listening to this. Here's the number one question that you need to ask that business leaders never ask so that you don't make the General Motors mistake. How hard is it to change the technology after you've installed it? (laughs) Because somewhere down the road, Think about the pace of change. I've got a story on change that I've come back to. <laughs> Think about the pace of change. At some point it's going to be it's going to be a month, six months, six years. There's going to be a better technology, or you're going to have a different opportunity, which means you can just you need to radically alter your how you're doing stuff internally. So that you can leverage that op- that opportunity, so that you can increase your customer service, increase your customer value, and you're going to be stuck with a piece of tech that won't let you do it. Yep. I experienced that when I worked for McDonnell Douglas on launch system design for uh, the Delta Three, Delta Four launch systems. Jeffrey, done that. Actually, I'm proud to say, actually have my actually have my signature on some of the original. The, they've long since been revisioned out, but some of the, the first doc- the first engineering drawings that were released actually had some signatures. Oh, cool on some cool. of the reviews. Jeffrey, Here's the problem that we had.
1: Who fixes the
0: robots when they break down? Exactly. People. Now, could it be other robots at some, on some point in the future? Sure. But in the context of that, it, it still comes back to, we need to think about how we're applying the technology. What is it? Th- what's the outcome that we want to have? And what's the best way to get to it? And also, if we are to accept that rapid change is a way of life, how do we not lock ourselves into last decade's technology so that we become obsolete as a business because we can't change fast enough. We can't change the technology that we're using to support our business fast enough to be able to keep up with the marketplace with what our customers demand. Over 2000 years ago, the Romans had a rule that you were not allowed to use a machine to do anything that a man could do. Wow. They had basic machines, you know, in those days, kind of think, Romans had machines. Yeah, they had basic machinery 11. in those days. Not the not the 19th century. I mean, because to me, when I think yeah. machines, I kind of start in the 19th <laughs> century, right? Steam wow. engines and locomotives and paddle wheel boats on it. They had other forms of what Orta considered machines. And they're going, you know what? If a, if a man can do it, You put the man to work doing it. You do not replace him with the machine. There's some wisdom in that. We don't have those kind of conversations about, can we do it? Like the scientists who are right now, as we speak, reviving ancient viruses. (laughs) Right. I read a headline on Monday. scientists, Scientists revive ancient virus found buried in miles deep in permafrost and find that revived live virus can infect live things. I'm like, well, no I'm kidding, Sherlock. <laughs> what happens if that gets out in the wild? Didn't we learn anything from a few years ago? What happens if that leaks out into the wild? What do we, you know, how do we combat that? The question that doesn't get asked is, yeah, we can do that. Should we? Should
1: we? we forget to ask that question, Jeffrey, too many times. Hey, so we as don't value talk that. About, well, we, we, we think everything can be bought up by a little bit, and let's think about all the legal ramifications you talked about. General Motors, I think it's—I yeah. think they're setting themselves up for a major lawsuit because of that commercial. And I'm sure you've seen it out there in LA now, where they're driving the truck down the road and they start they start clapping their hands, so the guy's not driving, and they're all booped up, and yet. They're past, we passed laws about we shouldn't be talking on the phone or texting while we're driving. Well, how is it different there when you're letting the car do the driving? I mean, how does that taking your mind off at any less than, than if I was talking on the phone?
0: In California, you cannot even touch your cell phone. Otherwise, you're getting pulled you over by a cop. You cannot yep. touch it. But you can have a live animal or two sitting in your <laughs> lap. And now they're saying you can clap and, pay, and play patty yeah. cakes where, you know, it's, it comes back to the, we'll drive ourselves insane if we think, you know, if we attempt to apply logic to politics and, in policy at the personal level, though, we need to consider again, you know, why, <laughs> if we can do it, right. If we can do that kind of stamp on your, you know, stamp on the dashboard, like the like Jim showing it in that commercial. And I agree the liability downside on that. There must be someone in the general counsel's office going, what the how did this get out without review yep. right well, if that thing <laughs> because it's sending it's sending a message that just sets up what happens you know you're doing that you're going oh we saw it in the commercial so we're going <laughs> we're clapping and stamping and whatnot and all of a sudden a, a mountain biker comes shooting across the front because they slid off the trail and they're trying to keep it together and not crash into a tree and they end up on the road and guess what happens at 50 yep. miles an hour
1: or bore. or more, more. more, more. <laughs> Does yep. anybody drive 50 anymore? Oh, yeah. On a school bus is down my side street here. Uh, <laughs> 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 Jeffrey? Well, hi- hypothetically hypothetic, speaking, of course. Oh, there we go. Jeffrey, give me some good news. What, what AI could I reliably maybe look forward to having or using personally? Is there something there or something coming soon that I can... That I can look
0: to what's already here. That has been very like personally, very helpful to me. And like chat GPT has been getting a lot of, a lot of talk, right? Now we'll come back. There's some good and the bad with that. Not saying I like it. Not saying I dislike it. It's just, it's been all the rage. There's a lot of talk about it. YouTube videos all over the place talking about how great, you know, what you can do or can't do that type of technology makes it possible to do more in-depth research, It makes it possible to leverage the knowledge base on the internet more effectively. How does it do that? Well, on the World Wide Web, which is just a small piece of the internet, but we can have that conversation another time. How does it do that, Jeff? To put it together in a way, it's like, you know, create me a factual list about, you know, create a factual blog post about I've used it to draft several of our episode descriptions and then go back and ask it to do it again with some more information added. And then I go back and I rewrite it and go, wow, this is, this is pretty, it's way better and I can do it a lot faster. And it helps me learn faster on how to write copy better. So those types of things are here, and we can use at a personal level if we need information. If we're looking for what's the best um, supplement for such and such, and who's who's you know, give me a summary of the pros and cons. In fact, for our conversation today, I used two different chat bots to generate a a list of the top ten currently discussed positive outcomes that artificial tools are delivering for people today and the top 10 concerns that people are currently discussing on the internet for today. And it's was like, wow, it was a fast, powerful summary and I requested it to include links. So it was link to me to articles and whatnot so I can take a look at that. So that is something that is, it just makes the leveraging knowledge now, easier.
1: We talked a little faster. bit about the bots having the, Um, biases when it talks to politics or something like that, would you not have the same Mm -hmm. concern that it could limit what information it's given you or direct it to, for example, behind the scenes, I pay whoever wrote the software for this thing to only look at Coach Mike's uh, source for a product or a service when you ask about X, Y, or Z? Yeah.
0: Conversations... What I just mentioned about the concerns that are being discussed, one of the things that the chatbot, one of the chatbots I used wouldn't give me negatives about AI. (laughs) So I launched and I accessed another chatbot and used it and rephrased what I was saying as concerns. And I got a list of concerns. It's interesting because no less than Forbes magazine, and this was linked to the answer that I got from the second Chance chatbot, Forbes magazine And its top concerns is that went uh, it was like number two or number three of its top five of the top five concerns in this Forbes magazine article, and I can send you the link if if you want, mentioned, oh, with all of the, the misinformation that's going around do do we want to you know do we want to limit access to ai do we want to make sure that the ai has guardrails on it so that no misinformation can be distributed it's like well that comes back to the core question that we're having in a larger culture who determines what is misinformation programming the ai what really now here's what magnified that and made it exponentially worse to me the next concern listed after that was do we want to let evil people have access to AI tools, and who determines who's evil? Who the hell can? Who the hell decides what's who is yep. evil? Yep, right. Yep. Now to make that personal, to make that personal, I'm banned from Chat GPT. <laughs> right, and I've been working this for several, you know, for two months now. What? I've been attempting in in I. I've worked with experts that know, and I've gone directly to Open AI, Open AI, the parent company. I'm banned from all of their what? tools. And what's going on? So think about this: headlines in the media are, unless you're using those tools, you're going to be at a significant advantage disadvantage in the marketplace. If you're a business owner, you're going to be in a significant de- uh, disadvantage. If you're an employee, and I can and I am banned from access to that. And here's the only answer I've gotten from them in two months: they require me to do a Cell phone driven two step authentication. They have listed my phone number as a blocked number (laughs) and they won't explain why. All they all you can't make that up. And the only answer I got from OpenAI was we we block certain types of phone numbers and certain groups of phone numbers. And that was it. So
1: what has changed?
0: Because they, they won't, I tried using, I tried using a VoIP over IP line. They, 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 and they said, no, we don't, we won't send it to, I'm going to VoIP. I'm going, okay, I understand that. I set up a Google voice number and they're going, nope, the Google voice and other numbers like that, we won't do. And I understand that from an authentication, somebody can easily use that to spoof them and hack into somebody's account. So that made sense. And at least they explained with my cell phone number, they don't explain Let me add another piece of information that I have a phone that I bought from AT&T on a service that's contracted with AT&T using a phone number that AT&T issued me. So I'm not using some back alley burner phone system that could be sketchy. So there, so I look at that and go, here's evidence from personal experience that certain that they are already deciding based and maybe not at a personal level. And I don't mean this as a Conspiracy theory, although I've got my tinfoil hat right over here off camera, um, they, they admitted that they have already made a decision that they are blocking certain groups based on some unknown criteria from using these powerful AI tools that are going to make a difference between the haves and the have-nots, over the, and it's going to happen fast over the next couple of years, that will, that will certain groups are being put in the, no, we are not going to allow you pro- to prosper using this particular avenue so jeffrey
1: what has changed what has changed if that's where we're, if they're already there what's changed
0: i have i don't see that that's a change it's an acceleration of a dangerous trend where where it, it's an acceleration of the dangerous trend in terms of the polarization of the i don't like you therefore you should be canceled yep. argument which is total crap and is the is the antithesis of a free Society it is the antithesis of self, you know, of self-governance, and it is the antithesis of what makes people happy, free, you know, happy and free Jeffrey, in life. It is the ant- because it's all about some greater power is going is going to make me happy or not happy, as opposed to me being self-reliant and learning to you know learning to work with to work stand on my own and to work with the people Jeffrey, around me.
1: It is the antithesis of their selling points so of why we should. Keep using this AI and and get it better. It's the antithesis of that because they're telling us if you get this, you're going to get all the information you need. We're going to give you everything you need. We're going to. It's going to be true and everything else. And yet, your brief experience already is saying,
0: "No, it's not." That's that's sad. That is so sad. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's not the antithesis because the way the statements that they're saying, what is missing. In that statement, it's there to see if you step back and look at the statement, they will give you everything they decide that you need. Yes. They will give you the information they decide you need to know. They will share the truth with you that they decide is the truth. truth. (laughs) I was in a uh, I was in a leadership L.A. class. I haven't talked about this publicly, so buckle up. I was in a leadership L.A. class with the L.A. Chamber of Commerce in the, this is the early 2000s. So this is almost 20 years ago now. And one of the other members was uh, in the class was a, a PR flack from Hollywood. And, and I say PR flack because she was really nasty. And I do mean that as a derogative, because at one point, you know, she, she kept hammering away at me about, you know, what you have to accept this. You have to accept that. And my whole thing was I wouldn't engage, which would just make her matter. Right. It wasn't the reason I was there. And as soon as she would open something with a, well, you have to agree. I would just look at her and go, I don't have to anything with you. You know, or why, you know, I, I you know, pointed out that she was bullying and this, that, and the other. And, and I was standing alone with all this behavior. And one day she goes, well, where do you go for the truth? And I looked at her and went, church? Well, that's- and you would have thought I just <laughs> poured gasoline in the room and set yes. it on fire. Her head literally, I... My she jumped up out of her chair, began screaming at the top of her lungs, pounded on the table. And I'm looking at the person running this. And I'm like, I looked I looked over to her and I said, this is acceptable behavior in a leadership course. Wow. What I didn't know when I signed up for it was it wasn't a leadership course. It was a political grooming activity. And what they were doing was grooming people for for political appointee positions, uh, being on the boards of, of approved nonprofits, of being candidates to run for a specific party that's dominant in California, which I won't mention. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I'm in. They wouldn't give me my money back. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm staying for the direct, either give me a refund or I'm going to, you know, or I'll stay in the class and see what I can get out of it. And it really, those arguments really irked me because it made it such an unpleasant experience. And then there were a couple other people who would jump in with her. And tag team me, and it's just like I'm like going, "Where do you get truth?" And I'm like, "Well," and she's like, "Oh, her, she, her point blank statement was the only place that you can find truth is with CNN." She actually oh, no. said that this is with CNN and the other and the other major media outlets. And I'm looking at her going, it, "This made her head blow up too." I go, "That that's not about truth. That's about infotainment, right?" They're they're putting out what people want to see so that they can charge advertising rates. So Look at whatever's going to get them the biggest audience. I go, that's a business. Right. It's not it's a it's a media business. It's not a truth factory. Oh, so there we went again. Just you know, ask her
1: to just... ask her, ask her go look up the ratings between Fox or Newsmax compared to CNN. And that'll really get her head
0: exploded. Well, this this was 20 years oh, ago, so the ratings were different.
1: Before they, they yeah. actually their ratings are probably back to where they were 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Jeffrey, you know this has been awesome. We are going to have to do this again, uh, so let's plan on that. Uh, you just you brought some stuff up that I hadn't even gotten. I love it. Uh, we're definitely going to have to do this again. So thank you very much, uh, everybody.
0: To Jeffrey, tell them real quick where they can contact you, where they can find you. Uh, you can you can find Wolf's Watch on Spotify under Wolf's Watch. That's W O L F E. That's Wolf with the Knee, We're the Fun Pack apostrophe s Watch and um, Adventure CEO TV on YouTube. Oh, cool!
1: And Jeffrey is available. I I think he's available to speak to a, a business that likes what they hear and want to get some information here.
0: Yes, and that's what you know. I do a lot of of uh, leadership. Uh, speaking on leadership and change, and how do you effectively? Seventy percent of business business initiatives in the U.S. to implement change, like you bring in a new software, in you're applying the new AI tools, right? You're you're onboarding a new employee. Seventy percent of those efforts fail to deliver the economic value that was that was anticipated and was the justification for taking that step, according to uh, Gallup and Ken Blanchard companies. So I work with companies on not being part of the 70%. It's simpler oh. than it seems. It's just, you, there's a few key things that you need to know in order to make that, to make that work for you effectively and not have to work another hundred hours a week in the process as, you know, as a business Where leader. You so info at adventure CEO, info at adventure CEO.com. And, and let me know that Mike sent you and we'll expedite <laughs> having, having a, no commitment. There you to
1: go. Now you guys know why I like Jeffrey, and uh, from the time I met him, he just brings up. You see that engineering background in him, <laughs> that he just, the way he analyzes it, and. That's just awesome. Jeffrey, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in or our list. What do you call it now? It's a podcast. You don't tune in anymore. It's streaming, whatever. Uh, but thanks for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. I'll be back again. I got some great stuff coming up, including a whole session on branding coming up next week. So thanks again, Jeffrey. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. We will talk to you later.
2: Thank you for listening to the weed Wacker podcast if you would like to join coach mike to discuss an issue important to your life send us an email to coach mike at coachmikenow.com tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life give us your first and last name phone number and email address and we will contact you regarding scheduling coach mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. Thank you for listening to the Weed Wacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit coachmikenow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.